In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I find it quite fortuitous and also a bit challenging and unfortunate, if I'm being honest, to be confronted with Jesus' parable of the rich fool this morning on the heels of a season in my life during which I probably spent too much time and too much energy searching for and buying things to furnish a house. So it could be precisely what the rich fool wanted his life to be, a place to relax, to eat, to drink, and be merry. Now, while I do believe that God wants us to have a sense of peace and enough to eat, and enough to drink. And while I do think that God wants us to have joy and merriment in our lives, our parable today points to the truth that our desire to secure these things, to store them up for ourselves, can have a detrimental impact on our lives and on our very souls. Theologian Debbie Thomas talks about how easy it can be to think of this parable in abstract ways to reason out that this parable really isn't literally about money and possessions, but rather our attitudes towards money and possessions and where our heart lies. And it is, to some degree, about this. It is important to be aware of our hearts and our attitudes and how our, our minds and our lives are wrapped up with money and possessions. But she also issues a challenge when she reminds us of the, quote, squirmy fact that Jesus talks about money and possessions more than just about any other topic. Because, she says, there's something about them that distort us, something that makes us defensive, something that makes it very hard for us to hear the gospel in its risky scandalous, impolite, imprudent, and radical fullness. Something in the allure of money and possessions that grabs hold of us and doesn't easily let us go. And this reality is most fully captured, I think, in Texas artist James Jankneck's oil painting of this very parable. In his painting, there are two houses, one big and one small. In the big house on the left, the one with two stories, a man sits alone in front of a table of food with what looks like death itself across from him, pointing a finger directly at him, demanding his soul at that very moment. The outside of the big house, the big mansion, has cold blue and purple rocks and some cacti as landscaping. It is an empty place, despite its grandeur. In the other house, the smaller one, the one on the right, there is only one room depicted, and there's only one story. And in that room, there are eight people squished together, gathered around a table, looking at one another and talking with one another, and two of them have their arms reached and outstretched toward one another. You can sense the connection and the fellowship of those gathered. 
Every ounce of space in this house is taken up by people who have come together to be around a table and share a meal. The lighting is warmer, and outside the house there is green grass and a tricycle and a doll, signs of young and abundant life. The stark difference between this man sitting alone in his mansion and this community gathered together in this small house points to a truth that Jesus is trying to get his followers, trying to get us to understand. That the quest to store up for ourselves money and possessions, things, can distort our relationships with our very selves and with others and with God ultimately isolating us from the rest of the world and all that is eternal, all that is most real, most solid, most enduring in this world. In our parable, the rich fool says to himself, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will destroy all my, I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. His words are to himself and are all about himself and are all for himself. Even while the rich man has this gigantic house in the painting, it is so full of things that there is no room for anyone but himself and his things. No room for God. No room for connection or relationship. No room to experience love or compassion or grace. No room to experience the eternal things of this life. Just him and his stuff and the realization that he is, in fact, mortal and cannot take all of these things with him. The realization that all that he has collected, just like all that we have collected, is finite. It will eventually fade away. We have in our Ecclesiastes reading one of the more famous passages, Vanity of Vanities, the teacher says, all is vanity. But vanity in this passage doesn't necessarily mean what we think it means or how we use it today. It doesn't really mean pride or big-headedness. In the Hebrew, in this passage, it is more accurately translated as vapor. Vapor of vapor. All is vapor. In other words, all that we have of this earthly world, all of these things that we store up for ourselves, None of them are as solid or as eternal as the heavenly things, the things of God, the things that are of above. Things like connection and compassion and grace and forgiveness and love, all of which we experience in relationship, in relationship with God and with one another. But we have to be in those relationships in order to experience these eternal things. And so in order to forge and build these relationships, those relationships that are of above, that are the very stuff of the kingdom, Jesus is calling us out of ourselves 
and out of the isolated mansions we have built for ourselves into a new way of being in the world, the way of being rich toward God. Jesus is standing before us, demanding our very souls, inviting us to imagine what it would be like to reorient our lives around the things that are above and use what we do have, use our possessions and our experiences and our voices and our hopes and our desires to build communities of fellowship and love and grace and deep belonging. Communities where the warm glow of God's love, God's presence, pervades all things. So on this day, step out of whatever mansion you have built for yourself, whatever mansion you are isolated in, and set your mind and your heart and your soul on things that are on and from above, on the very stuff of the kingdom on love and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, on forgiveness and compassion and understanding, on belonging, on deep connection with another, the kind of connection that reminds you, reminds all of us that God, the Holy Spirit, lives and moves in and around and through each and every one of us each and every day. Then you and me and the whole world will know what it means to be rich toward God. Amen.